This is the Breakfast Leadership Podcast. Boundaries or burnout, you make the choice. Here's your host, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I've got Mitzi Purdue on the line. Hey, Mitzi, how are you? Absolutely never better and ecstatic to be talking with you. I'm thrilled to talk with you too. I know we connected on LinkedIn not too long ago and you know, the subject that you work with and the challenges that you see in the world, I felt was very important for my audience to hear. And it's about human trafficking. So give a little bit about your backstory, why uh, you got involved in this movement and, and why we need to bring awareness to what's going on in the world because uh, it's, it's happening everywhere, unfortunately. Yeah, there are 40 million people who are in modern day slavery. And, you know, I think most people think, you know, unless they've, they've heard about this, that slavery was something that happened 150 years ago. But no, it's happening today. And when you think 40 million people, think of the state of California, that population, every man, woman and child, if you put them all together, that's 40 million. Well, that's how many people are being trafficked today and it's horrible. And my backstory of how I got involved, it was an April 11th lecture and the speaker, his name was Paul Hutchinson. He was talking about rescuing children. And you know, up until that point, I had always thought that prostitution was sort of like, it glamorized in the movies, like pretty woman who was there, there was this happy woman who was a prostitute, but no, it's so different. It's unbelievable. He was talking about how a 12 or 14 year old girl and think of the, the children in your life, you know, maybe for some people, their own children, maybe grandchildren. Think of a 12 year old girl forced to have sex with strangers 12 times a night, 365 days a year. And when I heard about this, I thought this is the most monstrous, cruel thing I've ever heard and I want to do something about it. So that is how I got involved. Yes, yeah, a parent of, of daughters, you know, it's, you know, it hit home. And I know, you know, a lot of people that are in, in my circle all have kids and, you know, they're around that age, maybe a little bit younger, maybe a little bit older, but the thought that, you know, this is going on in 2020 uh, is, is absolutely alarming. And I agree, you know, we, we hear about, you know, trafficking and, and slavery and things like that. And we, in North America, you know, we think about that, you know, being, you know, a century ago, if not longer. And that only happens, you know, overseas and third world countries, but it's happening in North America. It's happening in every continent across the planet. And, uh, you know, the key thing is, you know, how as a society, can we address this and eradicate it from, from what's going on in the world? What are some things that, you know, individual that's listening to the show, what, what's some things that they can do to one, bring awareness to this and two, uh, do something to, to fight it. Well, one of the things, and I'll tell you right ahead of time that I'm looking for volunteers. We have 400 so far. And what I would like from volunteers is if they have social media, sign up, with, and I'm gonna give uh, an address. If they would go to the website, winthisfight.org, 
and sign up to volunteer, what I'm going to ask them for is use your social media to spread some of the messages that we have. And we have some top flight, amazing, skilled social media experts who will give you messages about awareness or, or what to do if you see trafficking or how to prevent it. Anybody who signs up with us, we'll give them, you know, the easiest thing is just send out to your social media friends. But then on top of that, if you have a particular skill like um, accounting or legal or speaking, whatever, we will do everything that we can to match your interests and skills and time availability with the tasks that need doing. And I'll definitely have that information in the show notes for sure to have that in there. So, you know, what are some, you know, obviously besides uh, social media and, you know, bringing the awareness to it, you know, how are, you know, how are these people being, um, you know, the people that are involved in this and running these types of uh, organizations that are, you know, you're doing human trafficking, you know, how, how do they get caught? You know, what are some things that, you know, that the public could be aware of or look for uh, as potential tips of, okay, there might be something going on in my neighborhood or my region about this, because I, I, I sense that, you know, the, the, the victims that are trapped in these uh, situations um, often don't get opportunities to, you know, yell and scream and bring awareness to this because, you know, a fear of their lives or a variety of other challenges. Yeah, it's, you know, this was something that was really amazing to me as I, as I got deeper into it. Winthisfight.org, that's, that's the organization that I run, winthisfight.org. Our purpose is to raise funds for other organizations. Uh, we don't do any of the rescue or rehabilitation or prevention ourselves. We raise funds for the organizations that are doing it. But you asked the question, what should you look for? Now, there's an organization, uh, it's, it's out of Washington, DC, but it's, uh, it's called Polaris. And they have a list of 21 things to look for. And one of the things that they emphasize is one sign alone probably isn't enough. It, it takes like oh, two or three red flags. But the kinds of red flags you might see, supposing you're, I don't know, in a, a bus station or an airport and you see maybe an older man, it even could be an older woman, older meaning older than, than the child that they're looking at. And the child, child meaning like 12, 14, or could be 18, but whatever. Maybe they're dressed wrong for the season. Maybe they're, they're looking just really anxious and nervous. Uh, there are certain tattoos that you can look for. There, there are red flags, but one alone isn't enough uh, to be sure that it's trafficking. But if you see things, do you remember the, the phrase, a spidey sense? That is your Spider-Man sense, where you just sense something's wrong? Yes, yeah, so definitely. Okay, if you sense something's wrong, talk with one of you know, law enforcement who's nearby and just say, you know, keep an eye on that. And they're trained to do it. But what I really wish you'd do is, uh, is come to my website, winthisfight.org, and we list the 21 red flags. Yeah, that's something I, I definitely encourage everyone and listening to, to do because uh, oftentimes, yeah, we, we, 
we go through our daily lives and we look at something and we may not um, think um, anything's out of the ordinary, but um, if it raises a red flag, you can look at it and then, um, and just, you know, like, for example, if you see somebody, you kind of mentioned it, you know, you see somebody at the airport and for some reason, someone, there's a big age difference and the interaction between the individuals are not what you would see as being normal, you know, instead of you know, going over there and being, you know, a police officer, you know, basically, you know, notify, you know, airport security or air, notify somebody just to, you know, inquire. And, and they could do a little bit of digging and asking some questions. I, I'll be honest with you, you know, if, you know, if someone, you know, reached out to, you know, to me and said, okay, you know, I'm with my, you know, with one of my daughters and, you know, they, you know, I'd, I'd actually, for me, I wouldn't be offended by them asking, you know, question. Uh, I love that. I love that approach. And by the way, one of the things that I think just about everybody agrees on is, if you see, see something, yeah, do do tell somebody who can do something about it. But they're almost, you know, a really important piece of advice is, don't do anything yourself. They recommend that you don't go up to the person and ask questions. And the reason why is you may be putting the the victim in even more danger. So they recommend tell somebody who's trained to deal with it because we as civilians might make things worse. And something else that I have learned, the people who are being entrapped, they're almost always in a state of fear. They're afraid of, of a beating. They're afraid maybe their kid brother is gonna be killed. They're, they've been brainwashed to tell people who inquire, oh, I'm fine, everything's wonderful, I love my job. I mean, even, even in the case of, uh, of a woman who's being prostituted, she will tell her John, oh, I love my job, I'm so lucky. While in fact, you know, she's in terror of being beaten up if she doesn't say that. And I wanted, I wanted to mention how it is that winthisfight.org is, is raising money for other organizations. And we do it through auctions. We have an arrangement with one of the major auction houses in New York, where if you have a very, very high item, value item, and uh, guess what, we're talking about a million dollars. But if you have a million dollar item, maybe it's modern art, maybe it's jewelry, maybe it's a yacht, whatever it is that you have, through an auction, we can convert it into cash, which will go to the anti-trafficking auction, or excuse me, the anti-trafficking trafficking organization that you care about, you designate where the money goes, and the auction house is not going to charge a commission. So supposing, I'm, I'm being really hypothetical, and I'll get real world in a minute, but there is a case of a man who has an item, it's a necklace that belonged to Marlena Dietrich, the movie star from the 1930s. It's diamonds and sapphires, and it's appraised at a million dollars. When that sells, the entire million dollars will go to his favorite anti-trafficking organization. So for people who, and I know this isn't going to apply to a whole lot of our, our listeners, but in case somebody has a high value item uh, that they would like to auction to benefit an anti-trafficking organization, they can do it commission free. Now for the rest of us, uh, we're working on having auctions it might be with eBay, it might be with Alibaba, that's not set up yet. 
the the high value items uh, that auction is completely set up the the lower value items supposing I don't know and I'm making this up but imagine somebody has a pearl necklace that they inherited or a ring that they inherited if they want to auction it and designate where the money goes uh, we can convert property into cash for the anti-trafficking uh, organization that the person cares about. And if they don't have any that they care about, uh, we have recommendations. And we've gotten some spectacular donations so far. There's a man from Taiwan who has donated a 69 carat ruby. It used to belong to a Qing dynasty emperor. It's amazing. Or one of the world's larger perfect emeralds. And the purpose, yet yeah, why I wanted to have the high value items is partly to raise money, but partly because these are so amazing that people talk about them. I mean, I bet you've never seen a 69 carat ruby. Not to my knowledge, that's for sure. And, you know, that's, that's one of the well, beautiful things about the generosity of people um, that, you know, they... They could do anything with those things. You know, they could easily auction it off and take the proceeds and buy a yacht or uh, a mansion or something like that. But they're they're passionate about addressing this travesty that we have in in humanity and to to fight to fight it and and do everything we can to eradicate it from from being uh, prevalent in in our society. A, a sixty nine carat ruby. The guy who gave it to this cause, his religion, he's, he's from Taiwan, and his religion tells him that he's not judged by how much he ends up with when he dies, it's how much he gave away when he dies. And so it's, it's his religious impulse to, I mean, he hates trafficking, and it must have been kind of hard to give up a 69 carat ruby. And by the way, on the assumption that nobody else other than me has ever held a 69 carat ruby in their hands. I'll tell you what it's like. Imagine a golf ball and it might be 15, 20% smaller than a golf ball, but it's huge. It's just unimaginably huge. And I think, you know, when it gets auctioned, I think people all over the world are going to talk about these things and that raises awareness. And that's the key thing is just bringing awareness to this situation where um, people are aware of it. They get trained on things to look for, uh, and you know, society as a whole, obviously, will not accept this that it's happening. And you get that awareness. You get key people involved. You get you know donations like this to really ramp things up. Uh, you get pressure from those that are in um, high-ranking roles, whether government or. Uh, influential people that are you know, bringing more awareness to this. Uh, it, it rallies the cause and it, it, it makes it to the point where it's very, very difficult for these types of situations to, to continue and it, it frees those victims from the challenges that they face on a daily basis. I mean, it's just, it, it, it just makes me hurt thinking about it and uh, that you know, there are people that are going through what they're going through uh, across the world when we as a society could do something about it. So we need to have the awareness to be able to, to address it and, and, and make it go away. You know, one of the things that I really care about is I've, 
I love law enforcement. And they are probably one of the biggest factors that can help with this because here's why it flourishes so much, why trafficking flourishes so much. And I'm going to bet that the statistics I'm about to give are surprising to you. But in New York City, actually, the following statistics applies for the whole world. If you're a trafficker, your chances of doing time are less than one in a hundred. You can, you can traffic people with just impunity. Nothing bad's going to happen to you. And that's one part. Then the part that has to do with New York City. I was talking with the chief of the sex crimes division there about the economics of it. If you're a, tra if, if you're a pimp, if you're a trafficker, and you have five girls in your, quote, stable, if you have a stable of five girls, your income can easily be a million dollars a year. And you're, you, you're just not even afraid of, of law enforcement because they don't have the budget to find you. And so one of the causes that I care about is I would love donations for people and awareness so that people would give law enforcement a bigger budget to deal with, with the traffickers. Because right now the traffickers have so many ways of evading law enforcement. And I'll give you a couple of, exam of examples. They can do their advertising and their connection on the dark web, which means that unless you've got really specialized training, you're gonna have trouble finding them. They'll use burner phones so that if they're making quote dates for the girls, uh, they can throw away the phone and nobody traces them. Or another thing that they'll do They'll make sure that the girl, or it could be a boy, but probably 99 to one, it's, it's gonna be a girl. With the girls, when the girls make an appointment, they'll do it on their phone so that possibly law enforcement might find the girl, but they're not gonna find the, the, the perpetrator. So if, if law enforcement, if the community would demand higher funding for law enforcement specifically to deal with trafficking, we could make a dent in it. And, and that's so crucial is, you know, the law enforcement has huge, huge responsibilities, especially, you know, if we pick on New York City. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's an international city that, you know, the whole world looks to. Um, it's, you know, it has visitors constantly uh, and they have to protect the city from attacks and crime and everything else. So their budget, no matter how large it is, isn't large enough to address something like this. And even, even smaller communities, you know, they, they have literally no budget to be able to address this because they're bogged down with everything else. So yeah, I, I'm also a full, you know, full supporter of uh, you know, our, our police forces and uh, commend them on the work that they're doing. And I know, because I know uh, some personally, you know, that they are frustrated because they want to do more, but the resources yeah. aren't there. I mean, for, I'll give you an example of, of a woman I interviewed just yesterday. She's somebody who creates long-term uh, rehabilitation care for children, some as young as six. Uh, and she was telling me that um, a policeman that she knows well, she was visiting with him, and he was telling her, I could walk out the door right now and in a matter of hours, I could rescue five girls, but I'm not gonna do it. Well, my friend was stunned. What do you mean you're, you're not gonna rescue five girls when you could? And he said, because the problem is, there's no place to uh, 
to put them they yeah they they don't have the normal life skills that, that most other people would have they can't earn a living they probably have very little education um, they're, they're going i can rescue them and they're going to go right you know if, if unless somebody intervenes unless they have rescue care they're going to get end up being retrafficked so you know this and to me one of one of the biggest factors in this is not only awareness but funding because you know how tragic that in in the united states there are 3000 rescues in of of kids in a year and 2800 of them are going to go back to be being retrafficked because they don't have some place to go they you know, they, they need food, they need a roof over their heads. They don't have it. And it's like that, that policeman told my friend, oh, why rescue them when they're just gonna be re-trafficked and probably be punished for having tried to run away? And it's an awful situation. And by the way, for Toronto, since that, and I've been reading about Toronto, I visited a couple of times in the last couple of years. I mean, you have, oh, it's, it's such a bustling, lively, thriving city. Uh, guess what? That makes Toronto a target for the traffickers because they go where the money is. If if Toronto was a tiny town with with no economic success, um, you might get a few traffickers. But Toronto itself is going to be a magnet for traffickers because they go where the money is. Yeah, it's it's a city that continues to grow, and I you know, I work my office is in the downtown core and when i'm in any of the high-rise buildings i can look around the skyline of the city and at any given time i can you know see it at minimum a dozen construction cranes building you know basically 20-story condo buildings so there's just a ton of people moving in and the economics are are going well so i i agree that's that's definitely a, an alarming thought and, and, and hopefully those in power in the city that uh, listen to the show are on top of this and, and start planning for it if they're not already to address it because uh, you can prevent it if you know it's coming and you can take steps to, to make these things happen. So, Well, again, anybody who, who has a high value uh, auction item, let me know and it can be dedicated to help the uh, law enforcement in Toronto. I mean, who, whoever makes a donation, they get to say where it goes because I'm entirely in business. I'm, I'm not making a penny in this, by the way, but I'm, my entire purpose is to raise funds for organizations that are doing something about trafficking. And oh, would I like to direct funds towards uh, law enforcement. You know, I, I highly encourage everybody to to really you know reflect on that and take a look at that because um, the impact um, that you'll your donation will have makes uh, makes this world better for everything. It's a it's a legacy thing. You know the fact that you, know, you made a contribution to help eradicate this this horrible horrible situation. Uh, uh, I, I, that's uh, one of the greatest things someone can do is to make the world a better place by, by donating something um, that, you know, can really make a big impact. So Missy, I've loved our conversation today and we're again, go ahead and give those links again um, for where people can find you and, and talk about, uh, you know, helping out the cause. Oh, I'd love it if they would, because there are people suffering and we have the ability to ease that suffering. 
Awesome. So thank you again for being on the show. And I really appreciate you and the work that you're doing on this. Well, it was a joy being on. Thank you so much, Michael. Thank you. Hey, it's Michael again. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate it. If you're like many people, you're dealing with some significant stress and possibly approaching burnout. I know how you feel. In 2009, my burnout led to a year of worst-case scenarios. I do not want that to happen to you. If you go to breakfastleadership.com, you can register for a free webinar on burnout prevention, as well as get as a free checklist to have successful mornings. Start off each day the right way. Again, that's at breakfastleadership.com. Also, since you are a loyal podcast listener, I'm asking you to like, rate, and review my podcast on iTunes. I look at all the reviews and appreciate your comments, and it helps other potential listeners discover the content I have on the show. I appreciate you, and thanks again for listening.